Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So we're at the halfway stage of the 2022 Australian Open, not in terms of days, but I think sort of philosophically we consider end of round three, precipice of round four as uh, the halfway stage of any Grand Slam. And that is where we find ourselves. Our last 16 lineups in the singles are completed. We've all just watched Marin Cilic unexpectedly roll back the years and kill the movement David I didn't think of all the movement killers out there I didn't think Marin Cilic had it had it in him quite honestly and and he's really shown us something I think I mean I can't claim to have watched every Marin Cilic match that he's ever played but that's as pumped as I've seen him properly pumped tonight I, I agree I think I think he was feeling euphoric um Partly because he probably has felt over the last twelve months, like you've just said, that probably that's that's gone now. That that sort of match, that sort of win, that sort of stage might not happen anymore. I, I do think there were some flickers last year. He started to play well in the the last few months of the year, and although he he had some really tough losses in the Davis Cup, he actually played really good tennis at times. He just was playing against really good players, and. In the previous round, I can't remember who he beat in the previous round, but there were those wonderful scenes where he was celebrating with the Croatian fans who they often come out in force and, and he, he just got the sense that he was making the most of the time that he's got left in his career. I mean, he's, you know, he's getting on a bit now, but he doesn't look old. He still looks physically quite well. He still looks fit. He still looks as though he doesn't get injured that easily, but... He's just, he, looks, he, just, he looks the same as he has for the last decade. Yeah, he does. He do, it, it doesn't. It seems like there is still something left in the tank. That the biggest concern he had, and what was very interesting, I didn't see the first two sets, but Mars McLagan and Simon Reid, who I, I, I love listening to in commentary, they just quietly assessed his performance and just said he's not allowing himself to get nervous in rallies because he's not involving himself in rallies. He's just teeing off on second serves from Rublev, and Rublev is hating it. And the only time he got vulnerable was when he went up a break in the third set, Chilich, and then suddenly he's he's got it all to lose for the first time in, in the night, and 
I think we all feared for him at that point, and he lost the set. He lost four games in a row with a, in a blink of an eye, but he he got himself together again. Yeah, suddenly there were were an extra few ticks added to his service routine at that <laughs> point in the match, and we were all really fearing for him. But but Andre Rublev doesn't have another gear, does he? He doesn't have anything to to go to doesn't I mean I know it's almost a, a cliche now isn't it with with Andre Rublev saying he does he's got a great plan A but he doesn't have a plan B and I think knowing that for for somebody with the experience of Marin Cilic knowing that look if I can just find my game again that's enough I know that that's enough he's not going to throw anything different at me that must be quite a sort of reassuring place to be especially for someone of Marin Cilic's experience and that's probably Matt the Biggest upset of the day today, Marin Cilic against Andre Rublev, the fifth seed. There, there was there was some silly talk on Twitter about whether Marin Cilic is in the mix, and I'd like to dampen <laughs> that down right away because there is nobody, <laughs> nobody out there, even now after beating Rublev, that wouldn't be surprised if Marin Cilic won this title. I know he's reached the final before. I know he's a Grand Slam champion. I don't care. Everyone would be surprised, and he's not in the mix. Correct. Official ruling, not in the mix, move on. These people don't understand the mix. That's the truth. I mean, look. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we don't really either, but we know for sure that Mancinic is not in it. Yeah. I mean, look, his tennis, if he plays like he did tonight every step of the way, he can be a, he can give anybody a good match that is what i would say i mean i think mm. I, th- I, d- I just don't see how he would outlast a medvedev for instance and i think probably zverev would be too good at the same thing that he's trying to do to to beat him as well but i just you can't re- you can't expect marin cilic to be able to keep that level up all the way through i think that that's that's why he wouldn't be for me but his next opponent i think he's got a real chance against Felix Auger-Aliassime, you do. Mm, I do Why do yeah, you think I that, think... David? Well, I... You, I, I, you, um... you watched Felix Auger-Aliassime just pummel Dan Evans today, and a I lot did. of people thought that match would be close. I did see that, Catherine, but the thing is, I think that was a lot closer than it looks. It was 6-4-6-1-6-1, which Dan sounds... Dan Evans hor- doesn't. <laughs> it sounds horrendously one-sided, but if you actually take the first two sets in isolation, they both had three break points in the first two sets. It's just that Evans took zero out of three and Auger-Aliassime took three out of three. And and in the first set, it was 5-4 when, when Felix broke. And until that point, I think Evans had been probably the better player. He'd been knocking on the door. He looked. It looked like his backhand slice was starting to make Auger-Aliassime miss more than score. And then... Instead of breaking Felix when he had the chance, he got broken at 5-4. So he'd had his chances, they went awry. He had two break points to one of Auger-Aliassime's in the first set. And then the, even the second set, he went three love down, and yet he still was in all those games. There were juice games, all that sort of thing. And then suddenly it was like Evans just went. And I also think Felix is a really good front runner. Once he gets confident and he's on the roll, and then suddenly he just he just rolled him comfortably. But it was I don't I don't I'm still not convinced by Ojealiasim. I think he is beatable by people that probably shouldn't beat him. Mm. 
Well, a great front runner is actually exactly how Dan Evans described him today. Um, and you've given a, a more charitable assessment of, of Evans' performance than, than he gave his own performance. But, but he agreed with you about the how crucial those break points in the first set was. He said, I panicked. I panicked after I didn't take those break points. And, he, and I think he put down that sort of lack of composure. He put it down to the walkover that he got in, in mm. the second round. He, on reflection, and that's the first time he said he's ever had a walkover in a slam. That was not a good thing. He said at the time he thought, oh, great, brilliant. Um, but it turned out to be really not a good thing. He said he was flummoxed by it, lost momentum, had too much time to think about the match today. He also said he'd, he wishes he'd taken the opportunity to check out the court that he was playing on today. He was really sort of, um, yeah, flummoxed again by his surroundings. He was irritable was with everything. It was the John Kane arena david which we discussed yesterday on the pod and it is it's different to everywhere else um at melbourne park there was also a concert going on outside there was although that was dan evans says that was the highlight of the match he said hearing he he didn't sound like it at the time yeah well afterwards he said hearing rocket man was the highlight of his afternoon (laughs) He was getting really wound up about that in the first set. And mm. and I, I, I did think about that, you know, that I can't ever remember him having had a walkover in a Grand Slam. And the pace of these things, he's a fidgety guy. He likes to be doing stuff all the time. He's not, you know, I don't think that would have sat well with him thinking about it. And, um, yeah, he, they constantly looked on the edge of his nerves out there. So we've got Chilich trying to pull off another um, movement killing in the next round against Felix Auger Elisim. It's quite a movementy half of the draw, actually, isn't it? Because we've got Alex de Menor against Yannick Sinner as uh, as a fourth rounder. Alex de Menor um, beat Pablo Andujar pretty handily on the Rod Laver Arena tonight. Um, he was very touched by the fact that he was playing not only on the Rod Laver Arena in, in Prime time, of course, Saturday night um, in Australia, but also in front of Rod Laver himself. He, that really meant a lot to him. Um, and there was also quite a lot of adorable dog chat in the post-match interview. Which and videos. I, and videos. Enzo the dog. It was all lovely. It's Dimino's dog, is it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, right. A golden Retriever called Enzo. We, we love Enzo. Um, I've also written in the agenda here something to do with a nipple, which I need Matt to explain. <laughs> yes, after they showed the picture of his dog, they showed a very close-up video of his nipple because that's where he's got his uh, Davis Cup number tattooed, like oh. all of our previous uh, backers when they mm. didn't give their full name when they were anonymous. <laughs> um, and... Um, Jim Courier asked him about, you know, what the number 109 and representing Australia, being part of the Davis Cup team, means to him. And in short, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I've got, it, I've got it literally burned into my skin. That's, that's how much it means <laughs> to me. Him and Sinner is a match I, I really like the sound of. Me too, David. I said that to Catherine and got a bit of a blank response. I find Yannick Sinner a little bit of a vibe killer. Um, I didn't in Turin last year. I have to say that's given me 
pause for thought. I saw a different Yannick Sinner at the ATP finals in Turin and I liked it. And look, I love his game. I just find ah, there's, there's not much to get your teeth into. He's, he's, he's. Yes. I, I, I don't know what you mean. But, I don't, I don't want to lay into the guy. He's great. I've got I'm no active match. negatives to say uh, about him. Uh, he I'm seems like a nice chap. He's, you know, yeah. Well, I'm pleased for you. I'm pleased that everybody's excited actually, about that. Look, it will be bigged up here and that his, will be exciting. The atmosphere, his, I think, around that match will be exciting. His big ball striking against Dimonor scurrying is a combination I like the thought of. I mean, I, I was just having a quick look and it's 2-0 head-to-head Sinner. Um, one of those being the next-gen finals, which I don't know how much to put into that. But, you know... I, ju- I just can imagine the rally construction making for some gasping mm. uh, moments from the crowd, you know? Yeah, that, what David said. I, I am excited for that. I think Sinner's shots are gasp-inducing and mm. Dimonor's movement is gasp-inducing. And also Dimonor has started that thing where he's trying to be the aggressor in points more mm-hmm. now as well, which I've, I like that mindset of him trying to stop the other guy taking hold of a rally and whether he's whether he's able to do it or not. Okay, so look, I'll, I'll be watching and uh, I'll, I'll be hoping it's a great match. Um, we've got Taylor Fritz against Stefanos Tsitsipas also in that half That's of good. the draw. It is good. I'm really excited about this one, actually. And I, I, haven't, I haven't given that much deep thought to Taylor Fritz. <laughs> Over the years, I don't know whether you have. You know, I was aware, I was aware of him quite early. I think uh, I remember following the. Um, I think he was beaten by Shapovalov in. Uh, he, he he was with he was in the Shapovalov um, generation of junior champions. Um, I think the year that Shapovalov won junior Wimbledon, Taylor Fritz won the junior US Open, Tommy Paul had won the junior French Open that Mm. year. And this is Taylor Fritz's first time into the second week of a slam. It has taken him a lot longer than his, than his next gen cohorts. And I, I hadn't quite registered that it's been a bit tougher for him than it has for the others. And he beat Roberto Bautista a good today, six, four in the fifth set. Right. A passage. Yes, David, you took the words right out of my mouth. And he was he was really emotional afterwards. This means something to him. And I, I went to his press conference and I've never spoken to Taylor Fritz before. I don't if if I have, then it wasn't memorable. <laughs> Put it that way. You've both forgotten it. <laughs> yeah. He loved I'm it. Sure he, I'm sure he remembers it really fondly, but I, I have forgotten it. Um, and I've, I found it to be really engaging um, and really straightforward and very open. Um, and I asked him whether this felt a long time coming. And he said, hell yeah, pretty much. It has felt a long time coming. He said he never doubted that it would happen but he really feels like he's had the the rough end of some draws over the years. He um, and he has. I mean, he the, has. I mean, the players he's lost to in in the third round before. I would say only Sonigo would be one that you would count as a bad loss. Otherwise, it's been Team Federer, Djokovic, and there's a reason for that, which he went into in mm. some depth, didn't he? He he, he said. 
He said something really interesting, actually, about it often being better to be unseeded in a Grand Slam draw than to be one of the seeds uh, 25 through to 32. And he feels it's made a massive difference getting himself out of that bracket uh, and getting his ranking up so that he's seeded in the 17 to 24 bracket, which... Yes, because... It, it makes sense. Yeah, because seeds 25 to 32 are slated to play seeds 1 to 8 in the third round, whereas seeds 17 to 24 are slated to play 9 to 16. Mm. Oh, yeah, right. it, it it makes a lot very of sense to me. And yeah, he, it was, he really engaged with that question. It was very interesting. Um, and uh, he was asked a lot about how he's feeling physically because it was it was grueling to pl- today they played in the heat of the day he's probably going to need a lot of reserves to face sit to pass next and he said obviously this was you know immediately after the match but he said he felt a lot better than he did after the previous match against Francis Tiafo um when he he cramped right in fact he started cramping on match point um, and he continued cramping after the match. He said he got to the gym and his whole body just went into cramp. But he said that was, I think he gave this great quote. He, he you know, looked down the barrel and said, nerves are a crazy, crazy thing. Um, and he said, you know, that was down to the fact that it was all tied up in the fact that he was playing Tiafo, who's a, a good friend and somebody he really looked mm. up to. That made him a lot more nervous. So he is ready to to face... Stefanos Sitsipas and by stark contrast Sitsipas's press conference today was a weird time David Matt Matt warned me that his previous press conference was weird and probably not to bother with this one uh, but I I wasn't doing anything else at the time so I thought oh, I'll go for the pod for the pod I'll Yay. go <laughs> um and my god it was weird he he sat down in a t-shirt and shorts and he was literally unable to speak due to how cold and shivering he was he sort of had lockjaw from the cold um and was sort of stuttering through his answers due to how cold he was and giving giving some very bizarre answers and i'm sure he was cold it's very air conditioned in there but i'm sure that adidas supply him with hoodies I think he owns hoodies. And it was all the more perplexing because the reason I told you or warned you about the press conference was that he did the exact same thing in the press conference before. You know, mm. So it's not like this was his first experience of being cold. No, it, it, was re- it was a really, really weird vibe. I asked him how the shoulder was and he said, fine, thanks very much. And I thought it was the sort of slightly defensive answer that you don't give if your shoulder really, sorry, elbow um, really is fine. Thanks very much. But look, he, he won in four sets today against uh, against Benoit Paire. I've got a sneaky feeling about Fritz winning that. You know, you you were the early spotter, David, of the fact that Sitsipas really struggles against big servers. He's had heavy losses here against big servers. Um, he's improved since then, but I still think there's a weakness there. I think a lot depends on how Fritz come, comes up physically, but I think that'll be a match at the very least. I think Fritz needs to attack him, and I think he will, because I think that generally is his mindset, and I think that's maybe why he's taken a bit longer to come through. It's not 
he's got a couple of ways he can play tennis matches and I think he's started to package his game more effectively now. I mean, actually, I think if on that returning against uh, attacking players or big servers vibe, if you put Cressy up against Sitsipas, I would really fear for Sitsipas in that matchup. I think he would struggle with that. Maxime Cressy, David, thinks the same. <laughs> because Matt and I spoke to Maxime Cressy for the first time today after his third round victory over Australian Chris O'Connell. He's made the second week of a slam for the first time. He's going to face the number two seed, the sort of de facto top seed, Dinil Medvedev. And Matt and I went to his press conference and he is a confident man. Oh, yes. <laughs> I had heard other people say that Maxime Cressy has a lot of belief in himself and is confident but hearing it from Maxime Cressy himself was was it took you back the confidence yeah. this guy I, has. I felt like I'd been to I I felt like I'd heard a sort of cult leader speak, and the cult was Maxime Cressy. And mm. I I Matt and I walked down from the press conference together, and I was like, well, maybe, maybe he's going to beat Medvedev, and maybe he's going to win the title. And you know, I'd been totally brainwashed into Maxime Cressy land because he spoke. <laughs> that compellingly about the cult of Maxime Cressy. Um, yeah, well, I mean, look, before we before before we delve too much deeper, we're actually going to play you the audio of, of Matt and I's uh, encounter with Maxime Cressy. We, we weren't the only two in the press conference. There was one other Australian journalist and uh, Frank Lamella, a, uh, a, a brilliant uh, French journalist from L'Equipe who asked him some some French questions after after the grilling uh, he received from Matt and I, but um, from Matt and me rather. Um, but he, he faced questions from the Australian uh, journalist first, um, and one of the questions he was asked about whether he had a kit sponsor because um, it didn't it, it it didn't look on the court like he was uh, he was wearing branded kit and uh, and this is what he had to say to that. Uh, not yet. I wait. I'm patient. I wait uh, until I have a major big breakthrough and I have uh, I have a leverage uh, to negotiate. Uh, especially during during the COVID and everything, it's it's much tougher to have a great uh, great deal with a sponsorship. So I prefer really breaking through the the top fifty, top ten, and 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 then I I negotiate. Yeah. Is that where you see yourself going? Top ten. Yeah. Even number one. Yeah. I'm very confident. I, I can my game style can beat anyone. So uh, starting this year, I'm, I'm very confident. I played Nadal, and I, I really believe that it really uh, put him at an uncomfortable position. So if I really stick to my routines and, and to a very disciplined mindset, I can I can do it. Yeah. Do you feel extra? Obviously, personal pride. But do you feel extra pride doing having the success, doing it the way that you're doing it with that game style? I mean, people are calling you. The guy that's bringing back serve and volley. Yeah, yeah. My my vision from the the very beginning was to bring serve and volley back. Uh, I've I've had many different many people tell me that it's uh, too it's dead. It's it's not gonna be efficient or effective today. And the courts are slower. The returns there's better returners today. I've heard many excuses that serve and volley was not gonna be the best game style for me. Uh, but. Uh, I had a vision to to bring it back, and uh, I, I believe it's gonna it's gonna happen. Yeah. Can I ask about the the notebook that you have with the change of ends? What sort of 
Yeah, uh, it's one of my routines to to be in the present. In those kind of conditions, uh, with the crowd and everything, it's the mind can can wander really easily. And uh, the notebook is a way for me to be in a in a tunnel and uh, and not be distracted by anything. Yeah. Is it mental stuff? Yes, mindset. Know? Yeah, mental a mental routine to to uh, to stay in the present and not be uh, distracted by other thoughts uh, from, from the past or the future uh, related with winning or losing or, or uh, yeah, the, the, to stay in the present, very effective, yeah. You said that you've had people tell you and doubt serve and volley. Have you ever doubted it yourself when you were in college, for example? Yeah, my vision on the Pro Tour started uh, my junior year of college. I wasn't thinking about being a professional tennis player before. Uh, my vision was more to become number one of, uh, of my school at UCLA. And then I, I realized that improvements were, were really quick. And in my junior year, I realized I could, I, could have a, I could have a professional career too. So uh, I did have many doubts, of course. Um, but uh, the most important is that I kept going and uh, stayed determined. And now the doubts completely are gone. Yeah, no more doubts. You're playing the top seed. Um, remaining in in the next round, I'd imagine that will be either on Rod Laver, possibly mm-hmm. the second court. You strike me as someone that will enjoy that big stage. Would that be right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love playing on any court, whether it's court 15 or or the Rod Laver. I don't isolate a specific uh, event, but uh, no, I, I'm very uh, excited to play uh, to play him, and uh, uh, I believe it's going to be a very disruptive uh, game against him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very, oh, disru- very disruptive game is just a yeah. brilliant line to end end on, isn't it? He he referenced his vision twice there. Do you see? Do you see what I mean by sort of cult leader vibes? Oh, it's yeah. Incredible. I, I first had my vision uh, in the second year of college. Um, yeah, it, it's quite something, isn't it? I mean, he sounds staggeringly naive to me, um, and yet at the same time, I love it. Because I don't, although it sounds naive, because, you know, let's wait and see you've had a couple of stuffings made by somebody. Let's see how you're talking then. He doesn't sound like he's about to get affected by that. Um, and because, for him, frankly, I've seen him get one from Dan Evans, which is quite interesting. And quite interesting as well that he talked about how he, he thinks his game is going to disrupt Medvedev. I remember Dan Evans trying to disrupt Daniel Medvedev and, and, and coming up very, very short against that sort of metronomic kind of game. But I do think Cress's game is so big and so relentless and he believes in it. You can hear how much he believes in it. It's going to be a nightmare for people. Yeah, I mean, interesting, the the stuffings thing. I mean, he's, he's so positive about his game that it, he 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 takes confidence from losses he in the french portion of his press conference he talked a lot about uh, a straight sets defeat he took uh, against stefanos sitsipas at the 2020 us open which was on the arthur ashe stadium which i have to say i, I don't remember myself mm. um in fact to the extent that i asked him whether rod laver arena would be the biggest stadium he'd played on he said no i've played on arthur ashe <laughs> I don't remember that. Um, but yeah, he lost seven six six three six four. But he, he talked a lot about that day giving him belief. You know, that was 
he had only just turned pro, I think, at that stage. And, mm. you know, he was competitive against Stefano Tsitsipas and he came away from that and, and you know, thought, yep, I can challenge the top guys. So, you know, I I think on one hand, I thought it was it was bizarre, you know, seeing this 20, 24-year-old <laughs> guy talking like, the, as you say, David, this sort of really young, naive sort of, wide-eyed, I can do anything I want to do, almost like, what do you want to be when you grow up? But on the other hand, he's he, he's only been pro less than two years and he looks older than he is. So mm. sort of imagine imagine one of the next Jenners four years ago saying stuff like that. And it, it wouldn't have seemed, I don't think, quite so jarring. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, look, I'm not saying he's going to be a world number one, but kind of loved it would you like to hear what medvedev had to say mm, i would the prospect of facing him uh he said i i heard he serves pretty well if you don't I have heard a good serve he's, so he's never seen him play <laughs> <laughs> that, if, if you that's don't shade, have a good serve it? probably you won't serve and volley and it's not going to be effective and the transcript says that he said that while smiling which is quite ominous on the transcript and then he says, I do think it's possible to be a top player like this, serve and volleying. No matter what you do, slice, serve and volley or return, if you want to be at the top, you need to make it almost perfect because other guys will try to break you and your style. Which, again, sounds quite threatening and as a sort of warning. And actually, something Cressy stressed in the English portion of the press conference, and again in French, is that he doesn't worry about his opponent. You know, he's purely focused on himself and what he's doing. And no matter whether the opponent is returning on the baseline or behind the baseline, it says it doesn't really matter to him. He's still going to come in. He's still going to do his thing. I think that's quite interesting because when he comes up against Medvedev, Medvedev is a guy who who I think does take into account what the opponent is doing and does change his style accordingly and does hone in on weaknesses that he spots in an opponent. Obviously, he's focused on his own game as well, but he's very aware of both ends of the court, Medvedev. I think that's sort of why he's really got to where he is. His sort of tennis intellect is so high. And I think I think focusing on yourself can take you so far, but that did slightly worry me, the, the, the sort of total yeah. lack of concern for anyone else. Like, he he could trouble Medvedev. He could also think, oh, my God, Medvedev's yeah. good. Like, he, I think he's that, that could be the outcome. I think Medvedev's hands and ability on the full stretch to, to m- manipulate the ball and get it past people that are attacking him is is extraordinary, really. And I haven't seen him against a fully-fledged serve and volley like this, but I think mm. he, I, I think I know Cressy was injured a little bit or his body was hurting when he played Evans, but he was made to look quite cumbersome by Evans's hands and ability to lob and put it at his feet and all that sort of stuff. And look, I, I'm all in on Maxi and Cressy, as you know, because I'm just so happy to see somebody taking on serve and volley like this and with a big game and all the rest of it. And by the way, just mental strength-wise, he was in a bare pit of an atmosphere with with O'Connell today, the Australian, who, you know, he'd got people smacking the sort of the the advertising hoardings and making a right old noise, and he just he just rode 
the waves of that match. He refused to get wound up by any of it, even though he was getting time violations. He's got a great mental approach to the sport. I, I loved that question about the little book and the way he handles himself. But, you know, rattling Medvedev? I don't know. Oh, don't get me wrong. I think Medvedev's <laughs> winning that match just in the moment. Uh, I felt a little like I'd been hypnotised. Uh, it's fascinating. Cult, I love hearing leader. somebody talk like that. It's so different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I, I can't wait wait for the match. It feels to me like one that even if it's a, a straight sets win for Medvedev will be fun somehow this will and be interesting. Fun. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tie break or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. So what about the women's tennis that we saw today? Well, in upset news... uh, the bookies had Marketa Vondrosheva as the favourite against the number two seed, Arena Sabalenka. So I suppose Sabalenka's three-set win, 4-6-6-3-6-1, counts as an upset, or does it count as the bookies are silly? I don't know. But anyway, um, a pretty remarkable win from Arena Sabalenka. This is, I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable what Arena Sabalenka is doing full stop at this tournament, really. I mean, she served, I think, 10 double faults today, Matt, which is quite a lot, quite a lot of double faults. Um, and usually, usually your whole game is built around your serve. 
isn't it? If if the serve isn't there, it causes you to to lose faith in all the rest of your game. It literally shakes the foundations, doesn't it? Um, but somehow her ser- she's containing the service yips to just her serve. She's sort of hermetically sealed her serve from the rest <laughs> of her game somehow, and it's really quite incredible, Matt. I'm all in on Sabalenka this tournament. I think it's one of the most interesting stories at this event. And look, we saw her break down in tears on the court just at the start of the season when she was hitting a lot of double faults. And at the end of the match today, she joked about the number of double faults she hit. There has been a progression in the way she is viewing the double faults, even within the last couple of weeks, which is kind of extraordinary in itself. Um, And I think you need to have the attitude she's got now in order to be able to overcome it. As you said, the way she is able to isolate it and manage it is incredible because, frankly, the rest of her game looks in really good shape. That's that's the the cleanest, best I've seen Sabalenka play in in quite a while, I would say. Certainly the... The second and third set today, I went out onto the court to watch them and I thought she played really, really well. And the 10 double faults she hit, it's a lot. Of course, it's a lot. But six of them were in the first set, which she lost. And two of them sort of came back to back in the third set. The rest of the time, the serve was actually not a huge issue for her. It's obviously caused her problems in the first set and it's contributed to her losing that set. So it is a problem. But she got it under control, she managed it, and as I said, the rest of her game was contained. And she is now winning tight matches in slams, which used to be something she never really did. If she wasn't you know, if, if she wasn't blasting opponents off the court, she wasn't winning. It was a real Achilles heel for her. And this tournament, she's done it three times in a row. It's it's sort of become become a little trademark for her. And yeah, I thought I was so impressed and I went to her press conference and she took the energy that she displayed in that on-court interview, sort of joking and giggling about her game. She took it into the press conference where she was she was followed in by the Netflix cameras and, I mean, she just couldn't stop laughing about the whole thing and she was really struggling to sort of keep a straight face at the start of the press conference. And at one point she sort of turned to the cameras and smiled at them as well. And she's sort of seeing it all as, I think that side of things, she's taking it very seriously, but she's also sort of embracing it as well. And yeah, she, she's, she's a fascinating story, this tournament, Sabalenka, what she's, what she's doing, how she's doing it. And, and I should say full, full Sabalenka exchange slash, grilling on the serve to be found in the newsletter Mm, uh, link is uh, the details of how to subscribe to that are in our show notes Uh, she'll face uh, Aussie uh, no Kai Kanepi next who beat Aussie wildcard Maddie Inglis 26626 love Uh, Kanepi of course (laughs) into the fourth round of a slam with with off the back of absolutely no form whatsoever um, so that'll be an interesting one for the next portion of the podcast. You're not going to be hearing much from me because uh, we'll be covering matches that took place while I was asleep. 
Uh, we're recording this podcast a little earlier than we recorded last night in order to try and get my body clock into some semblance of a healthy place because I woke up at 2.45pm today, folks, and that is what <laughs> happens when I don't set an alarm. And And full disclosure, I only woke up because I heard you leaving the house, Matt. <laughs> I, I don't know what would have happened. I did it so quietly yeah, I know. Well. I, I mean, who knows? I might still be asleep now. Went to sleep at about 4am thinking, well, there's no need to set an alarm. You know, I'll get as much sleep as my, my body will allow me. 2.45pm. Um, so well, We woke up at similar times, Catherine. It's we just did. I was we 11 did. hours difference time zone wise. I will, no matter what <laughs> hour of the day I go to sleep, I will be setting an alarm from now on. Uh, so I managed to sleep through what might have been the match of the day, actually. Danielle Collins beating Clara Towson. Please, please tell me what happened. Well, I think it was the match of the day. It was great um they split the first two sets i actually think they each won the set that the other probably should have won towson was down in the first set and reeled off five straight games i think to win it um and then was really in control and looked looked very smooth it was the first i mean i've not i've not watched a lot of towson i've seen her play before but this was this was really striking to me how poised she is on the court and composed and doesn't get flustered. And she was really in control of this match. Then up a break in the second set, which is why I think, you know, she probably should have won the second set. And Collins did what Collins does and dug in and fought and made it a match and stole the second set, really. And then the third set was close all the way. I thought Collins was the better player throughout. Um, but, they, you know, there weren't the breaks of serve that there were in the first two sets. And then it all just sort of reached this amazing crescendo where Collins set up a couple of match points with the most stunning forehand passing shot just right onto the baseline at full stretch. It was brilliant. And then Towson just responded with a brilliant point of her own to save match point, so composed, back, big backhand down the line. And, yeah, there was just this contrast in styles in terms of, you know, you've got animated versus unanimated, loud versus quiet, and yet they were both hitting big from the baseline. It was a sort of personality contrast, but game-wise, you know, it was kind of similar. Um, and then to win it, you just felt like someone was going to have to come up with something brilliant because they were both playing well. And it's exactly what Collins did to two backhand return winners to clinch the match, one down the line, one cross court at a sort of impossible angle. I don't think she thought it was in because, you know, it was such an acute angle she'd found on the return. And yeah, it was, it was, it was a great, great match and, and battle and heck of a win for Danielle Collins. You know, she, she's such a competitor, isn't she? And she plays so well in the heat. She's from Florida, isn't she? Um, she's, you know, she's a former semi-finalist here, and she went straight out after that grueling singles match and played doubles almost straight away. Um, and she won with partner Desiree Kravchik. Um, she's got Elise Mertens next as Danielle Collins. So I think they're both former semi-finalists here. So one of them will be back in the quarters. Um, we've also got Simona Halep facing Elise Cornet in a throwback match in the fourth round. That'll be on 
Monday. Uh, Elise Corne backing up her big uh, Muguruza upset, uh, beating Zidanecek, Tamara Zidanecek, 4 6 6 4 6 2, and Halep just cruised 6 2 6 1 against Danka Kovanich over on the John Kane Arena. She's in such a good place, Simona Halep, isn't she? And Matt talked me out of going big on her in my predictions. You just did a... I saw that frown. You did. And David's got her in the final. <laughs> yep. Mm. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Lurk, lurking in her half of the draw. Well, I don't know why I get blamed for all of Catherine's predictions failures. I've got my own... <laughs> Predictions failures to worry yeah, about. Matt went big on Roberto Bautista a goat. So, um, <laughs> Iga Sviontek, uh is well. I mean, she's she's through to the fourth round as she she sort of always is. Now she's made the second week of every Slam since she won that Roland Garros twenty twenty title, which I think is really quite something. That consistency That's, of yeah. from from winning. From winning a Grand Slam kind of out of nowhere, you expect a lot of ups and downs. Look, she's had relative ups and downs, but that Grand Slam consistency is really noteworthy, I mm. think. And it was it was tough tonight against Daria Kazakina. Um, it, it was a straight sets win, but a lot trickier than the scoreline suggested. And I think Kazakina's beefed up her game, and I hope she she is more of a factor this year than she's been in in the last few years. But but. Yeah, so much credit to to Sviantec. Yeah, it, I watched some of it and looking at the scoreline and then hearing from people who said exactly what you did, Catherine, which is that it actually it was heck a bit a much more of a, a challenge for Sviantec than it sounds. Six three six two doesn't sound like much, does it really? But you know, sometimes these matches can be like that. Like I said about Evans and Ogier, I see, mate, a lot closer than it sounds. But I think that Sviantec. She's just a bigger version in terms of game heft than Kasakina is. She's got the variety. She can handle the opponent's variety. She she sort of dissected what Kasakina does to people, figured that out, and then took over. And uh, I, I agree. I think that record, it's sort of without highlights, really, isn't it, since the French Open when she won? But it's always base level. She's given herself this is what I am minimum now and she keeps producing that minimum but I don't think it'll be too long before we get another highlight moment really well she's got Saronica Steyer in the fourth round so she'll be she'll be the heavy favorite there quite frankly um what about tomorrow's schedule then we start on the Rod Laver arena with Madison Keys against Paola Bedosa it is it's going to be hot tomorrow folks uh, so, you know, that could be a factor in these day session matches. And should be said, as I read this out, the women are always being scheduled first on the show courts, back to back first on the show courts. Um, and ugh, I'm just getting a bit bored of it. Anyway, Keys against Bedosa, followed by Krejcikova against Azarenka. Ooh. Um then it's Adrian Marino against Rafael Nadal. I mean, that's that's his perfect place, isn't it? Nadal playing third on uh, third on the day session. Can I now say my Manorino trivia, which I forgot to say yesterday when we had a whole segment on Adrian Manorino? This feels like the time because Nadal's probably going to win. So here it is, Manorino 
doesn't like to know his opponent until the final possible moment. You know, he is, he's quite happy learning about it 15 minutes before he steps on court, which I find <laughs> totally bizarre. That's very Maxine Cressy, isn't it? I'm just going to go out mm. there and be Adrian Manorino no matter what's happening on the other side <laughs> of the net. Yeah, maybe Maxine Cressy needs to think, do I want to be Adrian Manorino? Manorino beat Aslan Karatsev last night. He outlasted the lion. So might he um, not know right now? I mean, entirely did, possible. Well, Although, I, because he was on a show dull, court, like, yeah, impossible. because he was on a show court last night, I think he would have been asked. But he did but not call interview. The dull. Yeah. I don't remember it coming up. But <laughs> the one where I found this out, and this was this was put on Twitter by the French journalist from L'Equipe Contin. Moine, um, it was after he'd beaten Hubert Hercatch where Manorino said this. And I think this has long been known in the French press. You know, it wasn't a surprise to Contin, but, you know, he didn't know, for example, that he was playing Hercatch just, just before he went He's on court. rocked up, knocked out a member of the top ten, didn't even notice who it was. <laughs> movement? What movement? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Nadal and Manorino third in the day session night session on Lever is Ash Barty against Amanda Anisimova followed by Pablo Carreña Busta taking on Matteo Berrettini interesting one that I thought they might have put Zverev against Shapovalov uh, on the Rod Laver arena but the schedule changes a bit uh, from tomorrow because on the second court the, the singles kicks off not before 1pm uh, with Jessica Bagulik against Maria Sakkari, uh, a repeat of their extraordinary match in Miami last year. Uh, and that's followed by, not before 3pm, Zverev against Shapovalov, which could be an absolute corker. And you've got singles on uh, the John Kane arena, not before 6.30pm, with uh, Mimi Kecmanovic against Gail Monfils. Dylan Alcott's in action tomorrow. He uh, is just such a big deal here in Australia. It's brilliant. He's he's playing. He's he's on murals, on, on street corners. He's on the tellies everywhere. And he's, yeah, he's a big deal and it's great. He's in action in the quad wheelchair quarterfinals tomorrow. Uh, Kokinakis and Kyrgios are blasting through the men's doubles draw. They knocked out the, the top seeds, Mektic Pavic yesterday and apparently there was a bust up in the gym afterwards um, so good Excellent. luck to to Behar and Escobar uh, who are their victims tomorrow they're on the Kia arena Dida de Hut is in action in the women's wheelchair singles uh, quarter final so it's all happening tomorrow but it is you know it's the day that suddenly there's so few of so few singles matches happening. Suddenly, there's mm. you know, sometimes there'll be only one happening at a time. Um, so Matt's sort of reliance on the inter- interactive screen uh, <laughs> diminishes a bit from tomorrow. You can get out and about and mm. uh, join you on the the Not Henman Hill, whatever it is. Um, by the way, the um, savaged by mosquitoes out there, David. Ooh. No, I don't mm. like that. Um, the Shapovalov Zverev match—it is very interesting, isn't it? I think the head-to-head's four-two Zverev, but they've they've played a couple of ATP Cups, one-one apiece. Just a word—I I feel like I need to say about Shapovalov and Ogyaliasim. I give them quite a hard time. I have over the over the last couple of years. I often feel like they they haven't quite 
lived up to what I thought they would. So, and it's very much so far. They're very, they're still very young blokes. They're still in this draw, and I think neither one of them has played that well. I think Ojeleyasin played well today in the end. But I like the fact that they're persevering and they're getting through, even though they're not playing very well. And maybe that's maybe that's a stride for them both. You know, even though neither one of them is lighting it up and highlight reel and all the rest of it, but they're they're getting themselves through these. Uh, what was it? Shapovalov was three tie breaks before he eventually started to 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 get his way a couple of rounds ago, and then he had a good win yesterday against Riley Opelka. Just interested to see whether this is maybe a moment for them both. Uh, they won that ATP Cup together. You know, it didn't get massive headlines, but maybe they're getting somewhere now. Mm. Could be, could be definitely. I'm I'm interested to see that match up tomorrow. That's for sure. Um, I think that's it for our day six Australian Open podcast. I will point you in the direction of our Instagram, where there is excellent Charlie, our Australian Open mascot content. Uh, I did uh, what the kids call a photo dump today uh, of some delightful Charlie content. Uh, and there's 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 Matherin content as well, which is what Hannah calls me and Matt <laughs> while, while we're on our expeditions. Uh, and there's the occasional bit of David and Solihull content as well. Looking, looking down. <laughs> <laughs> looking, d- look, looking down in the dumps in the depths of the night, but it certainly tells the story. Um, so Charlie is our Australian Open mascot. I scored some points for Carter today. Uh, we're on a roll, Carter. That's two in a row. David and Darwin scored points today, yes. I think. Yes, Arena Sabalenka. The big Sabalenka, the big Sabalenka upset, Although, which I think I sh- is an exploitation of a, of a quirk in the... It- well, it certainly Point is if you system. consider that I was going to choose Von Drosheva until I found out she was the favourite and then I decided mm. to choose Sabalenka because He's it turns gaming out- it, folks. He's yeah. gaming it. Anyway, lucky you, Darwin. Uh, <laughs> Matt and Gerald the Cat, no, not going so well. Not going so well. Anyway, uh, Billy Jean. Uh, there's Billy Jean content on our Instagram as well, not to be missed. Uh, she's sponsored by Billy Jean King and Ilana Kloss. Uh, we have our executive producers, Kyle Weingartner, and Chris Albert Lee, top blokes, both of them. And we have shout-outs, Matt. We do. We have some good shout-outs. Not that they're not always good, but... Um, good rescue. E- each one has something interesting, I would say. First is Skip Schwartzman. Hello. From Philadelphia. Like Skippy, the bush kangaroo. I've met Skip, would you believe? Yeah. He, he's this, uh, this, he, this skip. Is this, this the person who's in your house sometimes? Yes. <laughs> no. Is she no, living in your house? <laughs> skip has been a long-term listener of the tennis podcast and has uh, frequently got in touch. And yeah, he said hello one time at one of the tournaments. And a very nice chap he is oh, too. Oh, lovely. Oh, that's excellent. Hmm. We also have Thank you, Skip. Scott Fleming from our broth in Scotland like, like and Peter Fleming. he says same height as David Law himself oh wow good on and, you Scott and, and a Tennessee name like Peter Fleming yeah mm, Colin Fleming oh yeah thank you Scott I was going to say thank you Peter then it's not Peter <laughs> Fleming thank you Scott Fleming <laughs> I don't think Peter Fleming listens to the podcast Hello, Peter, if you do. Of course But mostly, does. mostly hello, Scott, and thank you. And the last one is Catherine Diener, 
and she says, and I love this, I live just outside Stratford-on-Avon near David. I grew up in Reading, brackets, Catherine, exclamation mark, and I went to uni in Durham. Oh, the full house, the holy trinity. Mm, And she's called Catherine. Can I inquire about the spelling? That's the one bit you're not going to like. So let's let's focus on the other bit. Is she it a work Y? On it. It's it, it's a K and a Y. A K and a Y. No, okay. we embrace all Catherines. They're, I, they're very hipster. The K's and the Y's. You can get your name changed anyway, can't you? Anyway, I embrace uh, I embrace all <laughs> Catherines, all of them. Thank you very very much, Catherine. I appreciate it. We all do. Um, That's it, I think, folks. Subscribe to the newsletter, tell your friends, do all the things. um, Become a friend of the pod if you'd like to. Um, It's well worth it, I promise you. And it has made it possible for for Matherin to be in Australia. (laughs) To be a thing. uh, Can we say that? I don't know. I don't know. It's too big an edit to get rid of it now. Um, (laughs) And look, we'll be back tomorrow with, with... with more uh, daily Australian Open content. We'll speak to you then. Bye, Matherin. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.